Welcome to day 45 of the story that changes everything. Our texts for today are Numbers chapters 13 through 15. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading. Chapter 13 opens with God telling Moses to have 12 men, one from each of the tribes, go and spy out the promised land. Notice when the list of tribes and spies is given, Caleb is connected to Judah and Hosea, quickly renamed Joshua by Moses, is connected to the tribe of Ephraim. These will be the two primary tribes in Israel's history, Ephraim in the north and Judah in the south. And this text may be hinting that their future significance has some ties to Caleb and Joshua's faithfulness here. Hebron is mentioned as one of the territories the spies scout out on their journey. The mention of Hebron ought to ring some bells for us, and it certainly did for the original readers. Hebron is where Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Leah are buried. It's not just any land. This is the land of their ancestors. The report from the spies has two sides to it. On the one hand, the land is spectacular. They bring back giant clusters of grapes and report that it is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. By the way, honey here is probably not the stuff bees make, although they had that too, but it's probably a way to describe the sweet fruits like figs and pomegranates that were growing there as well. However, on the other hand, they report that the land is full of people who are powerful, fortified, and dangerous. Ten of the twelve spies give a thumbs down. There's no way to enter the land, but two say we can go, Joshua and Caleb. The ten naysayers are so shaped by their fears that they exaggerate the threats and start rumors about the size of the people. One of my favorite Hebrew idioms appears in verse 33. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers, and that's how we appeared to them. Chapter 14 resounds with common patterns between the people, Moses, and God, only in a new context. Same chorus, different verse. A common denominator in many of these stories is that when the people begin to become fearful, their lack of faith manifests itself in a deep desire to return to the past and an inability to move with hope and courage into God's future. The people are so shaped by their fears that they even try to stone Caleb and Joshua. God is rightly frustrated with the people. God and Moses have another tense prayer-filled conversation with all sorts of echoes back to Exodus 32-34 through and the whole golden calf debacle. My favorite part of Moses' urgent prayer is verse 19. Please forgive the wrongs of these people because of your absolute loyalty, just as you've forgiven these people from their time in Egypt until now. God shows the people mercy. However, their fears become for them a self-fulfilling prophecy. The original generation will perish in the wilderness. Only Caleb and Joshua and those generations born in the wilderness will get to enter the promised land. The chapter ends with a brief and tragic narrative. The people move from fear to panic and act impulsively and unwisely. They try to force their way into the future in their own strength and without God's presence and providence leading the way, and they die. Chapter 15 moves away from narratives and goes back to giving laws and codes. It's a popular opinion among scholars that this chapter is a later addition to the text. Part of the reason for thinking that is because it has a great deal of similarity to a post-exilic text, Ezekiel 46. Some more recent scholars, however, think it's a logical follow-up to the previous stories. Either way, 
This text in this location becomes not just a reaffirmation of some earlier sacrificial instructions, but it also becomes a text of hope. Notice that it opens this way, when you enter the land. The future for God is not in doubt. The people will enter the land, and when they do, here's how they should maintain the relationship of covenant with God. This chapter 2 ends with a tragic story about disobedience and punishment for not keeping Sabbath. It's a difficult text to absorb. However, I would argue that together with the next verses about wearing tassels on their clothing as a constant reminder of the Lord's commands, the emphasis in both of these narratives is on how, when they live in the land, constantly keeping practices of identity going will still be central to forming and maintaining their identity with God. These texts had a lot of resonance and meaning for me. We still face historical moments as the church when we are met with a particular dilemma. Are we going to move in faith into the future that God has for us, or will we allow our fears to make us a dangerous group of reminiscers, unwilling and unfaithful, heading instead toward a slow death in the wilderness? Or might we even allow those fears to turn into panic and we abandon patient trust in God for wild attempts at trying to stay alive in our own strength through unwise and unfaithful compromises? Journeying with God into the new creation is not easy, nor is it free from risk. However, like Caleb and Joshua, hopefully we can trust God and live with a different spirit, a spirit of patience, gratitude, and hope. These are great stories, so read these chapters carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Listen to what the Spirit might say to you through the scripture today. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions. Our texts for tomorrow are Numbers chapters 16 through 18 and Psalm 19. I'll talk to you tomorrow.